Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship-based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Tolles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible. The fifth seal talks about a worldwide persecution and martyrdom of believers. Is that even possible today? And if it is, and if it does happen, would you be willing to die for Jesus? Well, let's talk about that coming up next. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Tolles, and I'm the director of Church Discipleship Ministries. I want to welcome you to our discipleship program, Todd Talks Bible. We're studying the book of Revelation, and we are going to look at the fifth seal today. The fifth seal, I think, talks about a worldwide persecution of Christians. Let's read about it, starting in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their witness. They called loudly to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge the people who belong to this world for what they have done to us? When will you avenge our blood against these people? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, had been martyred. So this is awfully talking about persecution. Now there's three types of persecution I have found in my uh, experience. There is a persecution I think directed towards each component of a believer. You see, people are three components, spirit, soul, and body. We know this because God said to love him with all of our heart, our spirit, all of our soul, our mind, and all of our strength, which is our body. Plus, Paul refers to how Christ will sanctify us fully in spirit, soul, and body in the book of Thessalonians. So there's three types of persecutions, I think, one going for each component of a human being. The first is spiritual attacks from Satan. These may come in the form of false guilt or making you feel worthless, things like that. Then there's emotional attacks, things that are directed towards our soul, our emotions. And these usually come from friends and family, people who make fun of us for our stand for Christ or reject our friendship or even uh, expel us out of the family for our stand for Christ. These are what I call emotional attacks. And then there's the third type of attack, the one that's most common in the world's eyes, uh, and that's the physical attacks. These would be the ones that get all the headlines and all the news agencies will focus on. They could involve imprisonment, even execution. And it's usually by people, uh, maybe rogue terrorists, things like that, or maybe even a government-sponsored type of persecution that's the law of the land. And that goes on, too. Now, what I think the fifth seal is talking about is this latter 
version of persecution. A physical uh, persecution involving imprisonment and execution, and it will be government-sponsored, I think, from the one-world government. And they will be coming after us because of our faith in Jesus. Now, let's look at this word martyr. In the Greek, it is a word called spadzo, and it literally means to slaughter. It actually was a word used originally about butchers, uh, men that would slaughter animals and, and butcher them and sell the meat. Spadzo. And so it literally means to slaughter like an animal. And this kind of goes back to Romans 8, verse 36, when uh, Paul refers to this, uh, this same word. And he says in Romans 8, 36, that even Scripture says, all day long we'll be slaughtered like sheep for your namesake. So this connotation of slaughter is really um, scary, really, when you look at it from a, f- a viewpoint of persecution. They will come a time, according to Scripture, according to this prophecy and others that we're going to look at here shortly, there will come a time where there will be a government-led, a government-sponsored persecution, a worldwide government-sponsored persecution that goes to every corner of the world, and they will literally try to be hunting down and slaughtering as many Christians as possible. Now, let's go on in this uh passage in Revelation and look a little bit more at some of the imagery. In verse 11, it says, then a white robe was given to each of them. Given to who? Well, the the souls of the saints that were martyred. And you can kind of understand why they're so upset. They're being slaughtered like animals. And they say, Lord God, when will you avenge us? When will you stop this evil? When will you punish these evil people for what they're doing to your bride? Your believers. And it says that he gives us each a white robe. It says, patience a little longer until all your brothers and sisters have been martyred according to plan. So until the full number has reached its conclusion, in other words. So this white robe has always been speaking of righteousness and throughout the scripture. Uh, so a white robe is obviously talking about that we are being accepted as, you know, righteous children of God. And the white robe is there. And there's many uh, old songs, old hymns that talk about being given your white robe. So that imagery is pretty clear. Now, you may sit there and say, Todd, why do you think this interpretation of yours is valid. And I'm glad you asked that. I always encourage you to ask things like that. Like I've always said, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. So let's look at other scripture passages that support this viewpoint, this interpretation of a a future one world government and a worldwide persecution of Christianity. Let's look at the first passage in Matthew 24, starting in verse 7. This is Jesus actually giving us uh, a prophecy of his own. He's uh, he's talking to the disciples and answering some of their questions, and he's giving them a very detailed prophecy of his own. And we're going to look at this in detail after we study the seven seals. 
along in our book study of the book of Revelation, we will look at this because it kind of is a great commentary on the rest of the book of Revelation. But let's look at it now in regards to persecution. Matthew 24, starting in verse 7. The nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this will be only the beginning of the horrors to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because of your allegiance to me. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will lead many people astray. Verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then finally, the end will come. So here's Jesus talking about the same thing, a a time of worldwide persecution. Now, let's look at verse 7 again and talk about the timing of this persecution. He says it follows bloodshed or wars. And we've talked about that when we discussed seal 2. And note that when he says, uh, talking about bloodshed and, and and wars, uh, the Greek word that he's actually using in verse 7 is ethnos. Ethnos. It says the nations and kingdoms will be proclaiming war against each other. Well, the word nations is a word called ethnos. It's a Greek word called ethnos, and it literally means people. People. And it's often translated as Gentiles or um you know, it could also be translated as, you know, nations, if it's talking about a large group of Gentiles. So, but it is talking about people, literally. And that goes hand in hand with what we taught with Seal 2. That the bloodshed doesn't necessarily have to be wars. And Seal 2 is talking about people killing people without restraint. And that's what Jesus is saying here, too. Bloodshed of people killing people, rising up against each other. And then it does also hint at kingdoms doing it, which is what we were talking about, the possibility of the Antichrist rising up and subduing three of those ten kings in the Ten Kingdom Confederation. So they're going hand in hand, these prophecies. Also, he talks about famine, which is seal three, and earthquakes. Now, earthquakes isn't mentioned in the seals, but it is elsewhere in the scripture of the book of Revelation. So right here, he's getting the same timeline that we've talked about with seal with the seven seals. It's following seal two and seal three. And possibly, you know, when he's talking about earthquakes, that could be implying death, which is, of course, seal four. So it's talking about the same general time period, which is very interesting. Let's look at verse nine. He says, Christians will be hated all over the world for your allegiance to Christ. Well, that goes hand in hand with what we've just said with seal five, that it will be a worldwide persecution. Now look at verse 12 and 13. He says, sin will be rampant. Love will grow cold and only those whose faith endures will be saved. 
You see, like we've said many times before, to be a Christian is more than just walking down an aisle and signing a card. It's a commitment that you make to Christ, that you will follow him forever, that you, through your free will, are choosing to follow him and that you place your faith in him as your personal savior because he died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose again on the third day to prove that his sacrifice was enough in God's eyes. Well, because of that faith, you know, you are saved. But like Christ says in many places in Scripture, including here, he says that faith must endure. And too many Christians are haphazard with their faith. They don't let it grow. They don't let it get strong. And as we're going to see later, that is a danger. Because if you ever let your heart get so hard and your faith is so shallow, you are very likely to leave the faith to walk away from Christ when times get rough. And we don't want that to happen to anybody. But Jesus warns us that the love of many will grow cold, and only those whose faith endures will be saved. We want to make sure our love stays hot and not cold, and we don't walk away from the faith. Verse 14 says that this persecution leads to the gospel being spread throughout the world. So, the way Jesus described it in Matthew 24 is very much a complimentary passage and supports the interpretation of a worldwide persecution that we've discussed with Seal 5. Now let's look at Mark's account of this prophecy of Christ. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, starting in chapter 13, verse 8, we read, Nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other. Again, it's that word nations, meaning Gentiles. So nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other, and there will be earthquakes in many parts of the world and famines. But all this will only be the beginning of the horrors to come. But when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the courts and beaten in the synagogues. You will be accused before governors and kings of being my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. And the good news must first be preached to every nation. And when you, and again, ethnos, every people, every group of people. But when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry about what to say in your defense. Just say what God tells you to. Then it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death. Fathers will betray their own children, and children will rise against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me. But those who endure to the end will be saved. Okay, it's very similar to the passage in Matthew. Look at the timing in verse 8 and 9. It also talks about bloodshed. Again, ethnos people, slaying people, just like we talked about with seal number 2. So, bloodshed, wars, earthquakes, and famines. The same time period is being indicated here. Look at verse 10. It also says that the persecution will lead to the spread of the gospel in verses 10 and 11. Mark 13, verse 10 and 11. 
And finally, in this passage, starting in verse 12, it says that brother will betray brother, family members will betray each other, and it says, but only those who endure to the end will be saved. Again, it, it relates the truth that a Christian's faith must endure. During these tough times, they can't give up and walk away from the faith or they'll be lost. They must keep their faith and keep believing in Jesus. Now let's look at a third passage that talks about this. This is Luke's version of Christ's prophecy. And this is found in Luke 21, starting in verse 10. And again, the Holy Spirit with Mark and Luke and Matthew is showing little more tidbits and pieces of this prophecy that Jesus gave us, all under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And there's something interesting that Luke reveals that's not mentioned in the other two Gospels. So let's look at it. Luke 21, starting in verse 10. Then he added, referring to Jesus, then he added, nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and epidemics in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs in the heavens. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will be accused before kings and governors of being my followers. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you, and some of you will be killed, and everyone will hate you because of your allegiance to me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. So Luke adds something, doesn't he? In verse 10 through 11, let's talk about the timing. It's the same timing, bloodshed, wars, earthquakes, famines, but he adds something. Plagues and sights and signs from heaven. So literally, uh, in the Greek, it's talking about uh, plagues and these weird things going on up in what we would call space. And so this is this is new information, not found in the other Gospels. And, and like I say, the Greek literally talks about plagues or pestilences and these strange things that goes on in heaven. Now, this phrase, before all these things, because, you know, he says, but before all these things, you'll be handed over for persecution. Well, this phrase, before all these things, refers to these terrifying sights and signs in heaven that he mentioned. And so he, he lists bloodshed, wars, earthquakes, famines, and these plagues, and then these terrifying signs in heaven. He says, but before these things, these terrifying signs in heaven, before all those things happen, you will be handed over. And this timing is running almost exactly like the first six seals of the book of Revelation. Now, there's no mention of the gospel being spread in Luke's account, but it's, it's pretty well implied. He says you're going to be handed over and hated because of your allegiance 
to Christ. And how are they going to know you're you know, showing your allegiance to Christ if you're not talking about it? So, yeah, I think the gospel will be spread during this. I think it's kind of implied in Luke's account. Verse 19, it says again, for the third time, it's mentioned in all three gospels. And when anything is mentioned three times with such emphasis, we better take note of it because Christ, the Holy Spirit, is trying to get this message across to us and into our thick heads. And he says in verse 19, those that stand firm, in other words, a faith that endures, an enduring faith, those are the ones who will be saved. You can't sit here and say, oh, I'm a Christian today and then reject Christ tomorrow when things get tough and walk away and still expect to get your bus ticket to heaven. It doesn't work that way. Being saved is a day-to-day basis, a constant allegiance to Christ, one that you never forsake. And as long as your faith endures, then you will receive eternal life as promised. But just like it was your choice whether or not you wanted to believe in Christ, it's still your choice whether or not you want to remain faithful to Christ. And unfortunately, things are going to get so bad that those with weak faith is is being warned here in, in this passage and the other two Gospels. They're being warned that those who are with weak faith, they will have a temptation, and many of them will fall away, walk away from the faith, and reject Christ. And we don't want that to happen to anybody, do we? So we must stand firm, like Luke said, and then we will have our salvation intact. Now, you notice that uh, he says before that in verse 18, not a hair of your head will perish. And a lot of people point to this who are kind of just trying to argue about Scripture and say, he says right here, not a hair of your head will perish, but it says you will be killed. In verse 16, that's a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. In the context, he's saying it real clear. You may face imprisonment. You may face execution. You may be killed. but the real you, the soul and spirit of you will never be perished. You'll never perish. It will never be destroyed. And you will go to heaven as long as you're faithful to Christ. And then one day you'll be given a glorified body. And that will be an amazing day. So all three Gospels are complementary and showing the same things that we're saying is happening in the seven seals in Revelation chapter 6. All right, brothers and sisters, my time is up. But we've seen three different Gospel passages that support exactly what we've been teaching from Revelation chapter 6 that there will be a time of worldwide government, of bloodshed, of wars, possibly earthquakes, famines, plagues, and a worldwide persecution of believers. And it will give you the privilege of taking the gospel throughout the world and making sure everyone has a chance to get saved. 
I think that's the reason God allows this worldwide persecution, is to give the unbelievers one more chance to get saved before his judgment begins. And knowing that kind of makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? I asked at the beginning of this, would you be willing to die for Christ? I hope you are, if that time comes. But I also hope you're willing to live for Christ now so that you will share the faith and the gospel and the truth of Christ's salvation to all you meet wherever you go. If you do that, you'll be fulfilling your ministry as a Christian. So next time, we will look at some warning indications of whether or not this persecution is close maybe in our lifetime. But more importantly, we'll also look at ways that you can prepare yourself now spiritually and emotionally for that day if it ever does come. And we'll talk about that next session. And until then, keep your eyes to the sky and read your Bible. Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.